This episode of the Adventure Jogger Podcast brought to you by Camille's Squatty Potty, 10 Junk Miles, Jimmy Don't Run Anymore and is sad about it, and all of our Patreon supporters and listeners. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Adventure Jogger. This one all started with a Facebook message that I got from a friend. It was a a screenshot of an ultra sign-up race results page, and it was the race results for the Clawhammer Mountain 50K, first-year race in Pisgah Forest in North Carolina, and circled at the top was a name, the winner's name of that race. By the way, the race has over 6,000 feet of gain. The winning time was 4 hours, 35 minutes, and 29 seconds. The winner's name was Anton Kaprichka, to which my friend said, is he from there? question mark and i said no he's he's from nebraska is it someone running under his name did anton kaprichka really race a 50k in north carolina you're gonna find out the answer because anton is my guest on this episode of the adventure jogger um i i talked to him last year after he ran leadville um andy jones wilkins gave me his email and i still had it so i said you know hey do you want to talk about this race? And he's like, yeah, I'm down to talk about this race. So we do talk a bit about his first race ever on the Beast Coast. He has never uh, raced out here on the Beast Coast. And you get kind of his thoughts on the difference in the trail and, and that sort of thing and, and difference in the vibe. And of course, because it's Anton, we get a little heady. Uh, I, I felt like I had to prep for him. And so I've, I've been digging into this deep book that I thought he had already read, but he didn't. So we talk a little bit about that. He gives some really great insight into something about your training, something you can do as a runner to just be a better runner, be a better person, just a, a, a gift of running. It's it's a great conversation. We also talk a little bit about how since his, his injury like a decade ago, how he has been a more well-rounded athlete in the avenues of mountain biking and and rock climbing, but how they all have the similar spirit and that balance that it has brought. A really fun conversation with Anton Kaprichka about racing on the Beast Coast on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Hey, Anton, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast i appreciate you coming back on it's been a while since we talked last time you and i had a conversation it was with andy jones wilkins because he was the one that had your email address um so he's like i'll 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 talk with anton and you like make it a a three-person show um and (laughs) and so i appreciate you coming on and that was after you had come back and just had a great leadville last summer so i get a message anton from from a facebook friend and it was the results of the Clawhammer Mountain 50K, which is in the, the Pisgah Forest in North Carolina. And your name is circled on there as, as the winner. And the winner won in four hours, 35 minutes, 29 seconds. First year race. And, and the question was, is he from there? 
And I'm like, no, he's from Nebraska as far as I know. And then they're like, is this really him? And I said, well, I will find out. Anton Kaprichka, did you in fact run the Clawhammer Mountain 50K in the Pisgah Forest in North Carolina this past weekend? Or was that someone pretending to be you? Uh, no, that was me. Um, yeah, so uh, my partner Haley is actually from North Carolina, uh, and we were we planned a trip. Oh, I don't know, kind of all year we've been planning on coming out here. Yeah, kind of during peak leaf season on the Blue Ridge Appalachian Mountains, and uh, just maybe a month ago, or not even that, a couple of three weeks ago, she was like, "Oh, there's this 50k that weekend that we're going to be out there. Like, we should run that." And like, okay, sounds good. Uh, so that was kind of why it was, we already had a trip planned out here for, to do some climbing and to visit her family. And, uh, so it was, a, a good way to get a, a nice longer run in. And, uh, it was actually her longest run ever. So she had a really good day out there too. Uh, she ended up winning the women's race and, um, yeah. Well, let's go back a minute here, because I noticed on your Instagram page, Anton, that you guys kind of had an epic road trip from out west to North Carolina. What were some of the highlights of your trip out to the Beast Coast? Well, we tried to get out here about as quick as possible, I guess. Uh, <laughs> just uh, we just drove out from Colorado, uh, went to Black Mountain, which is just outside of Asheville initially, mm-hmm. and visited for a couple of days with her mom and stepdad and uh then ran the 50k last saturday but then since then we've been in boone north carolina and climbing every day out in the linville gorge which is sort of the local kind of adventure trad climbing zone and um i don't know that's definitely been a highlight i mean the 50k was a highlight yeah uh but yeah the climbing around here and Probably the most, uh, I don't know, iconic leaf season I've ever experienced this past week. Uh, it just froze hard the last two nights, mm-hmm. and the wind blew a lot, so all the leaves are coming down now. But this past week, it's crazy. It was really good leaf peeping this year out here. So yeah. Well, Boone seems, by the way, like your kind of town. Like That has a, a similar vibe to what you would really dig. Yeah, um, it seems like that. This is, uh, I was here for the first time a year ago. Haley has a lot of roots and connections here in Western North Carolina. She went to school here in Boone, actually. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've spent a little more time here this week. And it's a good spot. Um, It has a lot of similar, uh, a lot more trees. But other than that, there's a lot of, you know, there's good, Good running, good trails, uh, good climbing nearby. Uh, it's a university town. So, yeah. So the difference is, I mean, let's let's talk about the race for a minute. So, you know, Clawhammer Mountain 50K, it's first year race, but the Pisgah Forest is absolutely beautiful. And you're accustomed to, you know, you run out to the boulder, the flat irons there, and you are running the difference between, you know, the mountains out there. Yes, they are bigger, but you've got a lot of trees. It is just tree, and it is really almost peak color season when you were yeah. in the race. How did that feel to just be in that space doing something hard? Uh, I mean, it was 
It was cool. It's definitely a difference from the more wide open feeling out west. But there were a couple sections during the race course. The race course had uh, a little over six thousand feet of climbing, so yeah. it was by no means a flat fifty k. Uh, and the footing was ninety percent on single track too. So uh, the footing was not very fast. A lot of the time, you're dealing with not only roots and rocks, but roots and rocks covered in a deep layer of leaves. Right. Um, I felt lucky to get away with only one rolled ankle uh, over the course of the 31 miles. And uh, it seemed like a high potential that I never tripped and went down either. So that was good, but definitely um, I would say it lived up to the general like reputation of it being technical footing out here. Um, Not to back home, but it's just sort of like the, the whole way you're kind of in this tunnel of trees down single track. Uh, most of the climbs are very runnable. There wasn't a lot of it around mountain bike trails, as far as I could tell. So not a lot of super steep stuff going on. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's cool because there's this one section on this high Ridge. I think that we ran through a couple of different high ridges where you could see kind of double exposed on both sides, see the valleys on both sides. And of course it's just a, you know, patchwork quilt of red, yellow, and orange right now. Um, which is pretty, I don't know. It's just that you don't get that variety of colors back in the mountains of Colorado. It's mostly just yellow, maybe some gold. Right. Um, yeah, you really so. did. You picked the best time to come out here because, I mean, that is, people come from all over the world out yeah. to that section to just see, you know, the, the leaves change. And, you know, you, you get the, uh, the the Great Smoky Mountain National Parkway and all of those, just all of that, or the Blue Ridge Parkway and Great Smoky Mountains National Park. I mean, it's, tourism goes through the roof at this time of year just because the colors are so amazing Uh, but yeah it must have just been great to be out there amongst them and be in very remote places that most people aren't gonna really go to to see that color yeah absolutely uh i will say i had my head down a lot though too just trying not to (laughs) try not to roll an ankle or trip and fall but uh was ab- was absolutely able to appreciate my surroundings as well yeah. did you like that was it because a, a different adjustment i mean the the trails were rocky rooty yeah. covered in in leaves like you said you can roll an ankle at any moment did you enjoy the challenge of of that different type of trail yeah i mean i just i like experiencing something new basically and that's what this was for me um yeah, it's. I always prefer. There was one about three, three and a half mile section of gravel road right in the middle of the race, and uh, I kind of ran that as hard as I could just to like get through it. So yeah. that I, I, I always prefer being on trail. I'm, I don't have a lot of leg speed, and I always find that the more technical nature of trails feel you know, it doesn't beat you up as much uh, as uh, trying to run hard on a flatter, faster road. Did you walk at all? Did you? I'm sorry, I rephrase that. Did you power hike at all? <laughs> yeah, there was a there was one climb that was almost a mile long. I think it was about a thousand feet in a mile, and I think I hiked most of that. Yeah, and that was around mile twenty eight or twenty nine. So it was near the end. Yeah, um, and that was a nice uh, just to change up the muscles, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Did you did you go out ex- like wanting to to win from the gun was it a this is gonna i'm gonna run hard this entire race or is it a kind of like you approached leadville last year was like yeah let's kind of see how it goes oh i mean this is this is the first year event and it was a relatively small field i think there were 50 finishers um 
But the kind of unique thing about it was the race started with a six mile climb. I mean, the first woman to the top of that first hill uh, would win a hundred dollars. And so I wanted to be sure I kind of, I didn't even say I went out hard, but I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't mess around for the first 20, 30 minutes just to like make sure that there wasn't any drama and like who was going to get the hundred bucks <laughs> at the top. You know, I wanted to, I didn't want it to be a sprint for the hundred dollars at the top. I wanted to make sure I had a gap. And then from there, I just kind of maintained it to the finish then, you know? Um, but yeah. So I don't know. That was the extent of the strategy I had. And then I didn't want to like have to run too hard because I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle of a training block and didn't want to, I don't know. We had a lot of climbing plans for this week that we got up to, and it would have been difficult to get those down if I was super sore from the race. Okay. So these guys, correct me if I'm wrong. And maybe I'm just reading into this, Anton. You and your fiance are going out to do this race together. This is her longest race at this point. I'm imagining like you guys are driving out there in the iconic truck and you're like, you know, baby, listen, I'm going to run it with you. This is going to be great. We're going to have some time together out amongst the leaves in the trails. This is going to be epic. And then you get to the start line. They're like, oh, by the way, first person to the top of the climb gets a hundred bucks. You're like, you're going to have fun by yourself. I'll see you at the end. No, that, I, <laughs> there was never, there was never any expectation from Haley that I would run out with her. Uh, I mean, she understands that I'm a competitive person and, uh, you know, I run professionally. So that there's always been that distinction, I would say. And, uh, um, I think, uh, you know, she wanted her own experience out there as well. Uh, I think it would have been frustrating for both of us if we ran it in tandem and wasn't, I think she was looking to be competitive, like for herself right. the whole time too. So, um, yeah, we, we both just ran our own races. It's just one sure. of those things in the relationship. If you're going to be in a relationship with Anton, you got to know that he ain't racing with you. Listen, we're not holding the hands at the finish line. I will see you there. I will have a beer and a burger ready for you to go but I'm running this thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's probably the, the essential, the fundamental sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the vibe? I was looking at ultra sign up Anton and I noticed unless it's just not in ultra sign up, this is your first race on the beast coast. All of your other races have been out West or around the world. This is your first race on the beast coast. How would you describe the vibe of this race? Uh, I think you're right. I think this is the first time I've raced over here. Um, I really enjoyed it. It felt, like I said, it was a relatively small field. So it had a very grassrootsy, um, just a community of like-minded folks out for a long weekend run, yeah. you know, and afterwards, you know, everyone brought their own folding chairs and sat around and waited for everyone to finish and uh, drinks and chili at the finish and, um, you know, just the normal thing of sharing war stories and uh, enjoying the community of running running the mountains. Uh, universal mm -hmm. uh, vibe, but I guess this being a first-year event, um, yeah, it just felt nice. It, it's nice to do something low-key and not overhyped yeah. and out there just because you enjoy running in the woods, you know? So, yeah. I enjoyed it. Has it piqued your interest to do another Beast Coast race? Because there's a lot of races, Anton, that you know happen out east that I think you would really enjoy and, and, and do well at, Grindstone being one of them. Sure, yeah, no. I mean, I've always been aware of various, like Mass and Nutton is one that always sticks out as being kind of a classic in my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
the main the reality is i don't race very much right yeah <laughs> and so like when i when i do um I'm picking very sparingly, you know, like I will end up racing twice this year. I raced once last year. Mm -hmm. uh, I would expect I'll race about twice next year, probably. And, you know, uh, ultra marathons at least. And so as much as I would like to say that I have a lot of interest in races out here, um, I have more interest probably in, Oh, like I'd like to do the presidential traverse up in, mm -hmm. uh, up in New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing piques my interest. Uh, I mean, what Haley and I are working on down here in Boone is this about a 15 mile link up of uh, a half dozen rock climbing formations on the Linville Gorge. That kind of thing gets me a lot more excited than racing. Uh, I really appreciate racing for uh, the community aspect of it, the, the bring out the best in each other that comes from competition mm -hmm. and then the opportunity for travel. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what those are the two driving forces in my my racing, I'd say. You have found this amazing balance, Anton, because, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I only know you from videos and various things and, and one one hour chat at Leadville, but it seemed like when you got into the game, you were all in and it was a running life and it was 200 mile weeks and it was this and it was that and it was the hype. And then, of course, the injury happens and all of a sudden, you're, you seem at least from your Instagram and social media that you have found this incredible balance of you love biking, so you bike. You love mountain biking, or, or sorry, uh, rock climbing, so you rock climb. You like running. So it seems like at the, at the start, it was all in on running. And now it's just kind of like you have this incredible balance for all of these things outdoors. They're all, they're all basically have the same spirit to them but you've become this multi-disciplined athlete and you seem happier for it yeah i would agree with that assessment right uh and, but the, the key thing there that you said is that they all have the same spirit to it and mm -hmm. that's definitely the case um i would say initially you know 10 years ago or over 10 years ago now um when i had to start diversifying in order to maintain some kind of health in my running mm -hmm. it was but over the past decade, I've come to prefer that variation and balance in my day-to-day, -to, -day, to week to month activities. And, uh, you know, it comes from needing to do that to remain healthy, but mm -hmm. also just the natural process of growing and evolving as a person. You know, I only ran for a couple of decades, you know, at least 20 years. Right. And, um, so over the last decade, you know, expanding into these other activities in the mountains or just in the outdoors, I don't know. It's just, it gives you opportunity to be a beginner again, to learn new things, to challenge yourself in different ways. Uh, it adds, you know, a lot more variety to your life. And I would have a hard time, I think, feeling fulfilled in just my personal growth if I was still only just a runner or I guess yeah. I would have to look for personal growth in a lot of other different areas in my life outside of like athletic movement. Um, but that's a huge part of who I am. So it's, uh, especially fulfilling to try and be progressing and growing in that area of my life. Well, it has to be satisfying too, because I think a lot of times runners feel that if we do anything else, 
if we diversify, if we bike a couple times a week instead of running seven days a week, if we throw in a little, uh, some other hobbies to kind of round out the life that the running will suffer. But I think you have at least in the last couple times that you have raced have really shown that you can diversify and still be still compete at a very high level. Yeah, I would say that the thing, especially with say a hundred mile ultra, is you experience account accounts for a lot, um, and once you have you know a number of those under your belt and a number you know just in the amount of fifty mile runs I have I've done in my life, it's dozens. And that counts for something to where you don't need to necessarily have that monomaniacal focus anymore. Yeah. Um, or I'm, I'm attaining the same results as I was 10 or 15 years ago without having that same myopic kind of laser focus on, on the activity. Uh, I don't, and I'm also like, I don't have a, Oh, I don't know. I don't have as much of a desire or like an ego need to maximize my, my potential as an ultra runner. Right. Like I'm, I'm happy. I'm so grateful now to be healthy enough to pursue it kind of as much as I want and uh, get to do these other things in my life too that also really inspire me and get me going. So, yeah. Was it that that injury that you had a while ago, was that like an, almost like an ego killing moment for you? Or did you have to, when you were dealing with that kind of go like, Oh, I have to identify as something else now. Yeah. There was a period of years. Uh, I would say <laughs> that were the time about five years, probably from uh, 2015 to 2020 or so. Um, and that, uh, you know, that's an ongoing process. You yeah. know, you, you're always, or I'm always, having to you know work on my uh, like just like my equanimity and my balance in life and yeah. um i think it's natural as you you know i'm in my late 30s now you just don't have that same you're more secure in your identity and your your self-esteem and you don't need to assert your dominance so much you know or like that you are you know, you don't need to beat your chest as much. So, yeah. Well, I think for you too, it'd be kind of different than let, you know, I, I host a podcast. It's not the same. I do not have the resume that you have, but if I couldn't run, it, there would be something missing because it's part of my identity as a person. And mm-hmm. so the average runner doesn't have the, everything thrown in their, I don't want to say thrown in their face, but you're very high profile. And when that injury happened and you had to step away from the sport, I mean, there's people running around with vests with your name on it and shoes with your name on it. And there's pictures of you everywhere and everybody's growing beards and, 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 and long hair. And, and you became kind of synonymous with the sport. People identified you as like the face of ultra running. So I can imagine that it was probably like, Oh shit. You know, I, I can't do this. Like I, I have to find other things to do, but there's so much out there that identifies me as this. Yeah, I would say initially there was, a, on my part, a bit of a reactionary response to, well, I can't run, so I need to figure out fulfillment from these other activities. Yeah. But with regard to that kind of expectation or, or sort of acknowledgement of my profile in the community or something, yeah. I've spent, uh, I, I mostly just don't pay attention to that. Because it's, I think it's, 
it, it's only detrimental to your mindset and to your approach to what you do. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I'm going to sustainably get satisfaction out of running is if I do it th- the way that I want to. Right. And not necessarily the way that uh, the, a larger audience or fan base or public or whatever expects right. me to, I guess. You know, so it's... Yeah, I just don't pay too much attention to that stuff. Well, you can't. I mean, it, it, it's, it's got to be a little surreal, too, when you're scrolling on Instagram and you see memes and all that stuff. That has to be a very surreal experience because, of course, you're just you. You've always just been you. But there's right. there's this other you that's that was created in in the space, right? There was this... There's you, the real Anton Kaprichka, but then there's the Anton Kaprichka that everybody's created in their mind, this person, this this trail running beast, and they have all these ideas of these things that make you, you, and it's maybe 50%, maybe 25% accurate. There's a lot more than just what people have funneled you into. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I don't think for anybody it's healthy to... Uh, ever buy into the hype you know well yeah because right right (laughs) for lack of a better phrase um so i don't know i've always just tried to like focus on what gets me excited and think about how i can kind of grow and evolve and and pursue it yeah okay i want to ask you this question you don't have to answer it we can skip right over it but talking about that that persona, the 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 Anton Kaprichka that the society has created, that trail running has created, that's separate from the real Anton Kaprichka. What is the most non-Anton thing about the real Anton? Uh, well, I don't live in my truck anymore. Um, <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I. I, I I rarely run barefoot, you know. Um, I guess it's. I guess it's just. I was actually just talking about this with Haley the other day, and the the thing that is, is tough about it is when you meet somebody who only knows you or only acknowledges you as, say, a runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's immediately this. It's cool because usually they've been inspired in some way, and that's. I'm grateful for that yeah. platform and that ability to do that for somebody else because I've had so many people inspire me in my life and I've always been grateful for them. You know, when you can only connect, you know, the two of you connect because you're both runners, you know, right. but I see myself as so much more than just a runner. So there's immediately this feeling of like, that's kind of unavoidable of alienation of uh, not being understood, not being that's highlighted in that moment. And that's like over time, the accretion of those interactions can become uh, tedious isn't the right word, but it's uh, just, um, uh, I don't know. Strange. Maybe, we just yeah, see- strange, a little bit depressing sometimes. And um, at the same time, and I don't want, uh, I want to emphasize that I'm immensely grateful for any kind of influence or impact I've been able to have on anybody in a positive way over the past decade and a half, you know, and, um, I mean, the number of interactions I've had just in this past week, you know, being in a different part of the country where I'm not normally at. So when somebody sees me and they know who I am, it's really exciting for them. Um, and yeah, that's really gratifying just to, because, you know, people often just be like, Oh, I started running altars because of you and that kind of thing. And 
I don't know. It makes it feel like all this stuff I've been doing for the last couple of decades has been larger than me in some way. And that's, that's always a good feeling, but it hasn't all just been like selfish, you know, narcissism. I'll tell you what though, Anton, you know, yeah, you were one of the people that inspired me to take up trail and all training, but knowing that this interview is coming, you inspired me to read a heady book. Cause I know you're, you're a big reader and I'm like, I got, I can't sit there and just ask Anton like, Hey, so tell me how, how many miles you're running this week, and uh, what kind of gels did you eat? I, I, that's you've been asked that ten thousand times. So I had to like read a heady book, and I'm like a quarter of the way into a book called *Sapiens*. Have you uh, read this? I haven't read it. Um, I've heard of it. Uh, I think it's pretty dense. Yeah, like, <laughs> there was this part, Anton, and you should read it. It's a really good book. I should have yeah, the author's yeah. name written down, but it's called *Sapiens*. It's it's a brief history of 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 of, of mankind, and it goes through yeah. the different types of 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 humans and that sort of thing. And there's there was a chapter in there that I, I think might tie into what we were talking about just a minute ago, and it was talking about how apes in nature can really only gather in groups of about a hundred. Anytime things get bigger than a hundred, um, things start to break down. People start fighting. They can't agree. So they split off into two groups. It happens all the time. And they say that they saw that same uh, behavior or proof of similar behavior in early humans before homo sapiens arrived. And one of the chapters in the book just blew my mind, Anton. I'm like, I got to tell Anton about this. I think he'll dig it. I'll give him a preview of the book. It's a spoiler. There's a lot more to it than that. But, <laughs> but the, the author theorizes, and a lot, of, a lot of scientists do, the reason why homo sapiens are able to live in larger communities and cooperate in, in larger groups and the reason why we became the dominant species on the planet is because we weren't the biggest and strongest, but we were able to work together and overpower things. And the reason why we can do that is our brains can do something that no other animal's brains can do on planet Earth. And that thing was, and when I read these words, I was like, holy shit. Um, the, the reason why is because we are the only animals that can create fiction. Huh. And so we're able to rally people to a cause behind stories that we tell them, mythology, stories of, you know, rallying uh, people to a common cause, all of these things, like, like a, 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 a chimpanzee will look at a tree and go, that's a tree. We'll look at it and go, where did that tree come from? Is there a tree God? And, they'll, and we'll create these stories. <laughs> and that's the reason why we can work together. I was like, oh, holy crap. So... Yeah, I guess it offers a sort of an organizing principle for a group of people, you know, when yeah. you have some archetypal narrative that everyone can believe in, uh, it it makes people want to work together or more able to work together, I suppose. Right. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's a book I need to check out for sure. I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking of a different book, but yeah, I've definitely heard of it. Uh, haven't haven't started it or anything. Yeah. Well, put it on your book club. It's just just yeah. you, that's what you need to do. You need to if you really want to mess with people, Anton. You need to start taking a section of your Instagram and having Anton's book club, and you just oh, pick God. a book every encourage everybody to read said book for like a month or something. That'd be a way to get people in, you know. 
Sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like I have so much on my plate already. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good idea, though. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Anton, is as you've evolved as a runner, your training has changed. And I think a lot of people can learn from your experience in the sport and how your training has changed. If you could give one piece of advice to runners listening to this, ultra runners, whether they're new or old, what is one lesson you learned about you know training that you wish you would have known when you started? Uh, I suppose I knew this, but I just didn't believe it. Uh, like in my, in the core of my being. And that is that your training doesn't matter. Um, it's, uh, you need, you need to, or I needed to decouple my self-worth from my training, I suppose, because, um, it's never, it's never productive to, to, to do a certain type of training simply because you'll like the way it looks in your spreadsheet or your training log at the end of the week. Uh, instead you need to be really honest with the way your body is actually feeling on any given day Mm -hmm. and adjust accordingly. And it's taken me, you know, over two and a half decades to get to the, that understanding is the important part. But yeah, I guess the trope is listen to your body. Um, and for me now, so when people ask me like how many miles do you run per week? I, I couldn't even tell you, I don't know. I could go on Strava and look, but I'd, I never pay attention to it. It has no bearing on my day-to-day decision-making and what I'm going to do. It's all just the ebb and flow of how my body is feeling. And then the meshing of all these different activities, depending on the weather, other circumstances, um, what's convenient. And then having like a larger objective in the near or not so near future that I'm kind of pointing towards. Um, so yeah, there's very little structure and it's a lot of intuition, but the main intuition and the key to staying healthy for me is like being, uh, really honest with myself about how my body's feeling. Yeah. Cause I think too, it's hard and it's hard to know your body at first when you start, because you don't know early on if a, if a little tingle in your, in your mm-hmm. hip is really just some tightness that'll loosen up over time or, or it's something you know that could be requiring some surgery or something that may require you to sit out for a while. It takes a while to really figure out your body, but one thing running does is it really gets you in tune with your body. Yeah, and I always say that's one of the great gifts of it, actually, is that kind of self-awareness and, yeah, alignment with uh, what it means to inhabit a body. And sometimes, you know, when you go out in the world, think about what it would be like to not have that kind of awareness of how my body is feeling and its capabilities. And, um, uh, yeah, it seems like a really odd way to be in the world because I don't, I don't see the body and mind as being split in any way. And, um, they're both needed to work towards anything in life. I think, (laughs) do you think you'd be as good of a rock climber? I'm not saying you're like, you know, climbing El Capitan, but you, yeah, I'm definitely not good, but but you you enjoy it. Do you think that the gift of that body awareness and understanding what it's like to occupy a body has helped you in your other endeavors of like rock climbing and that sort of thing? Yeah. I think it's just the general concept of, you know, very basic things like awareness of your body in space. Uh, So I guess that's proprioception, but also 
um yeah just what you're capable of like what your um your physical limits are i suppose and then how those can be how you can push those out gradually over time using your mind um so yeah it's all there's there are transferable concepts across all i think physical activities yeah are you are you a meditator outside of running or is that kind of your your mental space when you're doing your physical activities It'll, the latter i don't have any kind of meditation practice outside of uh you know running or cycling or whatever um it's i don't know i think i get in feel the need for it uh to make space for it in the rest of my life yeah well because you you don't you and correct me if i'm wrong you do have a very connected life so it seems you know a lot of us are distracted by the television and the phone and the this and the that and the day-to-day you seem to live a very connected life uh i mean i'm distracted by all that stuff too uh what I don't, you have a tv yeah. No, no. I mean, no, but I mean, my computer is essentially a TV anymore. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I, mean, I think we kid ourselves. If, if you're watching Netflix or any streaming <laughs> service, that's the same as television. <laughs> I mean, um, and I mean, I don't watch much of that stuff, but it's always there. And YouTube and social media, like, yeah, I, I'm not. Maybe that's you know, you asked me earlier, like, what's one of the greatest misconceptions? That's a huge misconception. I am just as susceptible to that stuff as your average person okay anton has a netflix account everybody that's you learned something that's never been released on any other podcast that anton has a has a netflix account what was the last show you streamed i gotta know oh, your binge, God, the mean, binge show. i mean this is this is an example of how little i actually use it i don't know um <laughs> I, I don't remember i have no idea they're real happy you're giving you're sending that 12 bucks a month because they notice that you're not yeah, using it that much they've, def- they've definitely gotten their you know, their $12 worth this past month. I don't think I've watched anything in the past month. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about the South. There are some really wonderful things that I hope you have either experienced uh, before on a trip with Haley out to the Beast Coast, or if you haven't done them at, yet, to experience these before you head back to Boulder. So I've got a little checklist, and I want to know if you have done these things that are pretty special to the, the the south the american south now a lot of these have to do with food so number one on my southern checklist for you anton is have you had a moon pie yet i don't think so <laughs> okay you gotta you gotta get one before you head back okay All right, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll put that on the list for sure okay yeah. have you enjoyed a bottle of rc cola no definitely not <sighs> you're, yeah. you're 0 for two on this uh, I think I think I'll be striking out in general, but yeah, we'll see. But here's the good news because the next one, the next one is 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 food related as well. But I think you can knock out all of these in one false swoop. Yeah. yeah, I think when you because when you head back to Boulder in the truck, which you do not live in, that's that's a rumor, everybody. That's a myth. Um, you're going to have to stop for gas at some point. Yes. And if there is something that we have here in the South that is better than anything else all around the United States is we have great pizza at gas stations. And I mainly mean Hunt Brothers Pizza. Yeah. Have you had a slice of Hunt Brothers Pizza? uh, Far too many. Um, (laughs) A lot of the the, uh, bike races I do are self-supported. And so that means that you're stopping at convenience stores, gas stations, and getting the supplies you need along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's many of those, 
yeah, I've eaten a lot of slices of that. <laughs> what is your favorite? If you had if you had to rank your favorite gas station pizza, who's the best at it? Uh, Casey's. Okay, all right, Casey's. Casey's <laughs> General Store. You mean the Casey's General Store? Yeah, yeah, like uh, Casey's gas station convenience stores. Maybe it's more of a Midwestern thing, but yeah, that's uh, we have those down here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah th- those are the go-to for sure. All right, so you, so you got you had a slice of Hunt Brothers Pizza. You're not doing yeah. too bad. We've got a couple more on the list here. Um, have you ever ridden? I know you. I know the answer to this. Have you ever ridden around in your truck with no shirt on? Uh, I mean, yeah, if it's hot out, absolutely. Okay, so you're <laughs> you're you're all you're all set there. Um, all right, next one's food. We're going back to food, Anton. Have you ever had a slice of chess pie? No. <laughs> I'm not an adventurous eater, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because chess pie is a it's a total southern thing. If you go to Boulder and say, give me a slice of chess pie, nobody will know what it is. I didn't know what it is until I moved down here. It is probably my one of my favorite pies, but it's one of those you can't have all the time. It's pretty much egg whites and sugar. It's like a oh. custardy type of pie. And yeah, worth- that sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. See if, if you go to a restaurant in Boone. Just say, hey, do you guys have any chess pie? And more than likely they do. And it's it's definitely worth worth trying. Right on. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next one on the list. Have you ever referred to a group of people as y'all? I mean, I pointedly don't do that because I'm not Southern. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a privilege. <laughs> I think you just have, you have to try it once, though. I think you just have to, before you leave, before you cross the Mason-Dixon line, I think you just have, sure, to, yeah. you have to try y'all on just once and see how that Shout fits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, finally, before you head back out, out east, this has become kind of a thing on the podcast. A friend of mine years ago who was born in West Virginia, right there in the base of those beautiful mountains with that incredible trail, he corrected me on my mispronunciation uh, of the mountains and the trail, and he told me a whole thing about uh, the history behind the word, and I looked into it and found out why there's two different pronunciations of the word, and it's yeah. one of those things that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to say it the original way to pay respect to the hardworking men and women who settled that area uh, of the country. Uh, Anton, you, you have to start saying Appalachian. Yeah, I know this because uh, I know I said it incorrectly earlier. Uh, but like I said, Haley is she's from North Carolina and she's she has schooled me on this before. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm fully aware of that. Yeah. If you, does she give you a look when you say it when you're like, hey, these Appalachian Mountains are wonderful? Does she give you like this look like what? The uh, what mountains? She's not that judgmental, but she just uh, has corrected me before for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So I think you did pretty good overall for a guy from Nebraska who lives in Colorado oh, now. Yeah. I, I think you I think you did all right overall. I think you've got some some homework to do, Anton, before before you head back uh, out out west. When are you heading back, by the way? Well, first we have to head up to New England um, day after tomorrow because mm-hmm. uh, Haley has a couple work related things to do up there, and we're going to visit some friends. Uh, and then we'll head back to Colorado. So it'll be, we'll get home middle end of next week kind of thing. It's okay. yeah. Long trip for sure. Good but, stuff. Yeah. You, you said Anton earlier that you plan on racing twice this next, this coming year. What yeah. are your, your racing goals for 2020? Oh, in 2023? Yeah. I haven't thought about it at all. Um, oh, but what's your one race left for this year? Cause you said you had two oh, races sure. planned. Um, yeah, I'm headed to South Africa in a month. Uh, 
for ultra trail cape town doing Ooh. the 100k there yeah so that sounds pretty awesome yeah i was there once uh 10 years ago and i was supposed to do the otter run the otter trail marathon there mm. um but i had a little injury while i was there and ended up not being able to do it um so i'm excited to head back 10 years later and run a run a race on table mountain and yeah just get to travel internationally for the first time since the pandemic so it should be fun yeah you've seen a lot of the world through running and just through ultra running what has been your favorite spot as you get ready to go to south africa it could be south africa in a, in a couple of months but what is your what's been your favorite place that you've seen in the world through running ah uh, boy um probably definitely japan actually um just because it's such a wildly it's so like on its face uh such a different culture than the united states um there's it feels very high tech uh the food is so radically different than mm-hmm. standard food in, in the states um the the general culture people's way of interacting uh you know Japanese people are in general extremely polite um, and accommodating and kind. And yeah, I was, so I would just say just for the radical differences there, uh, Japan is probably my favorite place that I've ever traveled to. My daughter went to school in Japan for, for six mm-hmm. months uh, doing a, a traveling boarding school type of deal. And she said she couldn't believe how safe japan was like here she was she was in hiroshima for a while a rather big city and she could just walk the streets at night and there was never a worry of crime it was just this and everybody was so polite in a genuine way yeah uh i don't know you know as a man i have a much different comportment in the world and don't have that same kind of sense i guess uh but in general it just seemed it's a fascinating culture to me because yeah. of how different it is. Cool stuff. Anton, this has been yeah. a fun chat. Welcome to the beast coast. We're, we're happy to have you here. Um, Thanks, hopefully yeah. uh, one of our races makes your very short list of races that you want to do over the next couple of years. And we'll see you again. I, I think, I think you'll dig it here. Great. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Um, appreciate the welcome and uh, you've been enjoying my time and thanks for having me on this evening. All right, so Anton can't say he hasn't raced on the Beast Coast anymore. I wanted to thank Anton for taking the time to chat with me while he's on a nice vacation uh, with his girlfriend, Haley. By the way, adventurejogger.com. Go check it out. We got back episodes on there. There's even gear. I'm wearing the new race team hoodie right now. And let me tell you, it's darn comfortable. That's at theadventurejogger.com. Check it out. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.